You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's say hello to another member of that broadcast team, our friend John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network. Check out their outstanding audio content on the Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, let's start with good news in Houston. Dwayne Brown ending the holdout. What does it mean to have the team's best offensive tackle back? And is he projected to play this Sunday against Seattle in our game of the week on TuneIn Premium? Well, Brian, it's an interesting question. It was good to see Dwayne back in the building. And in his media session uh, on Monday, he said that he was glad to be back around his teammates and ready to, to play some ball. So hopefully he can get himself ready to play by Sunday. But, man, you talk about being thrown into the fire, my goodness, against Seattle and Michael Bennett. Um, and, I mean, I saw a report that Dwight Freeney was up there, which – Dwight Freeney is the absolute nemesis of Dwayne Brown. So that's like being thrown into the fire against what I think is, is the best front in the NFL right now uh, with everything that Seattle has. But I, I would think that he is in shape to play. Now, is he in football shape? I don't know. But can he play? Can he play 50 to 60% of the plays? I think that's something he could do. But, look, there's, they're at this point with – Everything that's gone on, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded him to Philadelphia today or tomorrow. Wow, yeah. I hope that he's playing Sunday because the Texans absolutely need him at left tackle, especially now that Chris Clark has been banged up and missed practice on Monday. When you, t- when you see Deshaun Watson uh, come into the game and, and, and really just take it by storm, let's just say that, um, something probably, let's just say, more than you guys have ever seen there in Houston at the quarterback position, Throwing over sixty, completing over sixty percent of his passes, fifteen touchdowns, only five ints, along with the ones that he's actually had the chance uh, to be a part of on the ground, which was two. Give me your take on how high is the sky for Deshaun Watson? Well, I think Cordell he's done it against some, some solid defenses, but he hasn't done it against this Seahawks defense, and I think that's going to be. The big test. We keep saying, well, he's facing a Dick LeBeau defense this week. And then he dominates the Titans. Oh, but he's going to face a Bob Sutton Chiefs defense. And then he ripped up the Chiefs and had five touchdowns in that ball game. And then it's like, well, Greg Williams will show him a lot of pressure. And he looked as cool as he could possibly be against the Browns, handling the pressure, hitting his hot, finding the open receivers. I mean, there were times he knew where to go with the ball before the receiver even made his break or even knew that he needed to break his route off because of the pressure that the Texans were getting. He is, at this level, as, at this point, as advanced as I've seen a rookie quarterback. Now, that said, Texas, the city of Houston has not seen a rookie quarterback since David Carr, and it obviously did not go this way. Uh, Dan Pastorini is the last rookie you could say that this city has seen, and he obviously didn't even have this success. He was beloved by the people in the city, but he didn't come close to having anywhere near the success that Deshaun has had this early in his career. Now, Warren Moon did have success early, but he came from Edmonton, the CFL, where he had a lot of success in the CFL. So this is a whole different animal. What I love about it, Cordell, is the fact that he is drawing out all this innovation from Bill O'Brien and the offensive staff. They go in on meetings on Mondays and Tuesdays after games, and they're looking at tape from NFL teams, from college teams, and they're looking to see if there are some wrinkles that they can't add to this offense that nobody has seen this year. And I think each and every week, there's going to be at least one wrinkle that they can utilize that nobody has seen only because they have Deshaun Watson. If something were to happen to Deshaun and Tom Savage came in the game, all those wrinkles are gone. 
But with Deshaun, there's so many different things that you can do that it's tapping into the creativity and it's making him such an explosive offense to have to stop at this point. We're chatting with John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, undeniably, Lamar Miller is still the featured back, but how much does it help this team to finally have real depth at the running back position? Oh, there's no question. Deontay Foreman has added so much to this offense. Just even in giving Lamar Miller a break, and I use this analogy, Lamar Miller, is he's a Lamborghini. And you want to use him like a Lamborghini. But last year, they had to use him like an F-150 truck. They had to use him 25, 26 times on the ground. And they weren't able to use him on the passing game like they really wanted to. And he was really worn down by weeks 14, 15, and 16 last year. Well, now you're seeing a fresh Lamar Miller because you got a fresh Deontay Foreman who can spell him in the second quarter. And that combination is really making things tough. And there have been times where they've used both of them together, which I would like to see a little bit more of. Now, Deontay still has to learn how to run like a professional. And what I mean by that is there's some things that you learn as a professional running back that Lamar knows that Deontay hasn't picked up yet. He hasn't realized, yes, he's a fast guy, but these defenses are really fast in the NFL. This is not a Big 12 defense. You're not always going to get the edge. You're going to have to make your cut and bend the zone run back inside, uh, back behind the guard and cut back behind the center. You're going to have to do those things. And when you get into the open field, you're 235 pounds. There are a lot of DBs back there that want to make business decisions against you. Force them into it. Don't just run and then let them bump you out of the sideline, which really has cost them two long touchdowns this year, one that would have been key against the New England Patriots. So he's still learning, but he is so talented. At 235 pounds and the speed he has and the strength, he is the perfect complement right now for Lamar Miller, and I like the combination of those two. Uh, and we're second in the league in running right now, and it's large part because those two can play off one another so well. You're talking about somebody playing so well. How about DeAndre Hopkins? He's finally involved in the system where he's being able to catch the deep balls. He's being targeted in the end zone. How is his body language and his conversation around the locker room considering all the things they've had transpired over the past couple of years and it hadn't been too successful? Well, I find it interesting about DeAndre Cordell is you look around the league and you see you know, diva wide receivers. And look, I'm sure you played with some, you know, plenty of diva wide receivers that, you know, I got to get mine, you know, get oh, yeah. the football. I need the football now. And DeAndre's never done that. He has never been that kind of guy. In fact, when Will Fuller scores a touchdown, DeAndre is the first guy to get over there and greet him in, in the end zone. And he has never, even last year, for as bad as it got playing with the quarterbacks that he did last year, DeAndre never complained. He never, he never got down. He never pouted. He always just went out there and competed, and he always fought for the football. It just wasn't in the right spot most of the time. Now he's doing those same things. He's just continuing to do what he's done, but now the ball is ending up where he can make a play on it. And that's just building his confidence and his rapport with Deshaun. And obviously it's creating a rapport with Will Fuller as well, Deshaun is. So DeAndre, and, and look, here's the thing. When you sign a receiver to a big contract, everybody wants to look at, oh, can he play up to that contract? Well, DeAndre is doing that and then some. And obviously a large part of that has to do with Deshaun Watson. But those guys are working after practice, before practice. They're talking with each other. And obviously the connection to Clemson has helped because they knew each other before they got here. And I think it's really helped Deshaun too because Deshaun knows if I get rid of this football and I just put it in the area code, Hop's going to go make a play for me. And so they sort of feed off each other that way. And it's really made for a nice connection. But DeAndre's happy. Will Fuller's happy. Uh, it'd be nice to get C.J. Fedorowicz back in a, in a few weeks off the concussion he had earlier in the year. 
that'll add another piece to the passing game. But, yeah, Hop's absolutely happy. And, you know, Cordell, when those wide receivers are happy, everybody's happy. He's Cordell Stewart, who knows a thing or two about playing wide receiver as well. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with our friend John Harris from the Texans Radio Network. John, I hope to end my career here at TuneIn. I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity. But if it doesn't work out, I probably could land on my feet in Nashville or Jacksonville because nobody talks more AFC South than this program. And we've been knee-deep in this division since Cordell and I teamed up at the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So since you're immersed in it, how do you see the division this year? Other than the Colts, without Andrew Luck, it feels like this is going to be a tight race the rest of the way. Well, I'm going to start with the Colts. I can't believe the talent, the lack of talent that's in Indianapolis. I just can't believe it. You know, I just can't believe that they let that go unchecked for so long. And it just goes to show what Andrew Luck was covering up for a number of years there in Indianapolis. But to me, if Blake Bortles can play that way, and look, he's not going to be facing the Colts every week. But if Blake Bortles becomes a net positive for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jags are going to be very difficult to beat. Very, very difficult. That defense, and I saw week one, it was eye-opening how nasty and the thing about it is you see good physical defenses and you see fast defenses and ones that are smart and intelligent like the one in Houston but what you don't see are a bunch of guys and they had 11 guys that every time there was a different colored jersey with the football they wanted to ruin his career I mean they were looking to knock guys out of the game and they did we had 21 guys in the injury report after that game that's the kind of that's the brand of ball they're playing in Jacksonville they take a lot of pride in that and then when you try and throw the ball on them, they got Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. So they're very difficult to beat. Now, if Blake Boros is uh, negative, all of a sudden they come right back to the pack. And that's going to be a difficult game for the Texans going down there. But they got to face Deshaun Watson, too. So they know that that's the challenge that awaits them. But if they can find consistency, to me, Jacksonville is right there. And the Texans are going to have to go to Jacksonville and knock them off and do something they obviously didn't do in week one and go beat Jacksonville on the road, which is going to be a tough place to play for Deshaun Watson and his Texans offense. The AFC South has been dominated by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, you alluded to uh, the things that, that's transpired in that organization for many, many years within that division. But right now it's going from being that being the top-notch team to where now there's three teams within that division that's playing some really good football. How good – has the AFC South gotten over the last couple of years? Well, I think when you, when you look at Cordell, what John Robinson did when he had the number one pick, with, when they had Marcus Mariota and they had the number one pick in 2016, they shipped that pick out to the Rams, and they ended up getting a boatload of picks. They ended up with Derrick Henry in that mix. They ended up with Jack Conklin. That's just added to the mix. They continue to add players. Kevin Bayard, they got in the fourth round of that draft. They've been able to draft pretty well with the picks they've had. Jacksonville has just consistently added talent. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Kelvin Smith. And then you throw in a guy like Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye. That defense with three additions, with, well, two additions, with Boye and Campbell, three, Barry Church, that defense went from being, okay, they look kind of good, to all of a sudden being, wow, they're scary. And so it's just added on the talent that was already there. John Robinson added to it in Tennessee and took it up a notch. And then in Jacksonville, with both draft and free agency, Jacksonville's gone up a notch or two. But that's, that's been the thing. Teams have drafted pretty well in this division for the most part. And then the Texans finally did what people wanted to do all along, which is get a quarterback. And they got a good one. And Deshaun Watson. So I think the, the AFC South is going to be very difficult to navigate across. And look at, what, look at what the AFC South has already done. 
you've seen the Jaguars go beat Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh. You know, Tennessee beat Seattle uh, in, in Nashville. You know, the Texans, you know, put up 57 on Tennessee. They went to New England, should have won the game up in New England if they could have stopped one fourth-quarter drive. So the AFC South, even though last week going in, everybody was 3-3, three and three, and now you got two teams 4-3, and three, that's as tough a division as you're going to find anywhere in the AFC for sure. John, let's wrap it up with a media-related question. Years ago, 2002, I was doing some sidelines for Fox. I was working a game in Seattle. I could not hear the toss from the booth. It was so loud. I want you to be perfect with your audio. What's your approach coming up on Sunday when you're on the field for the Texans Radio Network? It's so funny you say that, Brian. I just went out for my my mid-afternoon run, and I was thinking about that. What am I going to do if I can't hear when they throw it down to me? What am I going to do? Well, here's the thing. I got to rely on Deshaun Watson and the offense to keep things in check. If they can keep things in check, then I'll be okay. And I'll like, maybe I'll just wait until the Seahawks offense is on the field and they can throw it down to me. But that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I've seen a game out there that shows you how old I am. I went and saw a game in the Kingdom in 94 with the Raiders and Seahawks. I've not been to Quest Field. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a whale of an experience no matter what. And I think we're going to go up there and compete. I think it's going to be a heck of a ball game on Sunday between the Texans and Seahawks. It's the best venue, as you know, in professional football. Have a marvelous trip, John, and hope to be chatting with you after a victory from the Houston point of view. We have Seattle listeners as well when we have our weekly conversation next Tuesday. Thank you, John. Absolutely, boys. Appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.